Well, here we go. We're back and better than ever. Uh, we've got another guest, another fun guest, another awesome guest. Um, episode nine. Uh, crazy, Jay. <laughs> episode nine. How, how did we get here? <laughs> I know. I was thinking earlier about how like we are, we're almost to double digit episodes now. Which yeah. we it felt like we just started this thing like not too long ago at all. So the fact yeah. that we're almost on double digits, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, the fact Fun. that we've got already yeah almost ten, we're almost there. Uh, it felt like we were talking about the podcast for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then here we are. We've been doing it now for you know weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's been. Uh, been excellent so we've had a lot of fun and man again i'll just say this on the on the front end we've been so grateful for all the feedback all the uh positive you know comments and all the really all the support that we've seen on instagram um on spotify on apple podcasts you name it um all the comments all the follows all the you name it uh all the nice things man we're incredibly grateful so uh man jay and i uh it's been awesome it's been super super awesome but here we are episode nine and this one's going to be awesome too. We've got another guest, uh, man. One of our favorite things, Jay. Maybe you can add to this. Like we love having guests on here. Uh, oh, we so said this fun. at the very beginning. It's not about you and I. Uh, we never wanted to be about you and I. And so, man, how awesome is it that we get to continue bringing guests on here, and we want to grow and have more and more and more. Uh, so this is one of those days again. That's just a blast. Yeah, it's a blast. I love having guests on. It's such a blessing. Like not just in a podcast setting, but just, just in life, whenever you get to hear the stories of other people and the testimonies of other people. And this is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, personally, uh, our guest today is one of the first ones that I actually told about, um, told about the podcast. He's a, uh, awesome. fellow Trojan. So we were, him and I were at Treveca at the same time. Ryan Rozick, he is a golfer fantasy baseball general manager and he was a golfer at Treveca. he uh he's a good golfer too i'm sure he he probably won't say it himself he's a man of many talents man of many talents uh great fantasy gm uh very talented golfer at Treveca, an incredible leader um just a, a really good friend um ryan welcome on man hey jay hey parker thank you guys so much for having me um just super excited to be here. Uh, love what you guys are doing with the show. And uh, there's just nothing better than the gospel and sports coming together. So it's an honor to be here. It's absolutely true, man. That's right. We're grateful to have you. Uh, man, you know, I like to consider myself a man of many talents. Uh, Jay and I talk often. You know, we had this episode on humility last time. And, uh, you know, my oftentimes I tell people my best quality is my humility. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and say something like that right now. I'm a man of many talents. But, Jay, uh, you're also a man of many talents. Ryan, you're a man of many talents. Uh, we're fitting right in together today, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, I It's just – it's so – Ryan, it's awesome to have you on, <laughs> uh, man. Just, just kind of an introduction, too, for uh, how Ryan and I met. Obviously, we were at Trevecca at the same time. We did not play the same sport. Um, so I think it, it took a while for us to meet, even though I think we got onto campus at the same time. So, uh, Ryan, you can jump in at any point too, but we were both, uh, both junior college guys. I went to a junior college and, and played baseball in Illinois for a year. Ryan was at a junior college in Florida. Uh, I forget the name of it. What, what junior, college? uh, Eastern Florida state college, Eastern Florida state college, uh, where you golfed and, and the Lord led us both to Trevecca and mm-hmm. we actually met, through um kind of a, a ministry opportunity for athletes that got it kind of kind of put on our hearts to 
help uh, help start and lead and grow. And really just kind of from that came an awesome relationship. Uh, so it was, it was just fun to see that grow during our time at Treveca. And even now, since we've been gone from there a, a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, being a former baseball player, like I always, you know, loved hanging around baseball guys and had a lot of baseball friends back home. So, uh, you know, I always wanted to fit in with the kind of the cooler baseball crowd, but, um, you know, didn't always get in because I was a golfer, obviously. But um, Jay, you were just so kind and uh, welcomed me to come sit with your team when I was sitting alone in the cafeteria sometimes. And uh, our friendship just hit it off. And it was really cool what the Lord did in our time at Trevecca. Um, COVID brought that uh, ministry to an end, but uh, it was special when we did meet together for those uh, hangouts. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure it was. And um for anyone listening to, I just, whether you're in college or high school, middle, whatever like stage you're in, if you're out of school, um, I think a lot of times it's easy to fall into the trap of like your, your friends or your crew are just the ones that like you're, you're playing with, or you're in a season with, but, um, and just, just step outside. Like I'm so thankful for the relationship we were able to have together and still have together, even though we were playing two different sports. Uh, two different sports at Trevecca. So, and it's been, it's always fun whenever we talk baseball, whenever we talk golf too. So uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and share uh, just kind of where you're at uh, right now and what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, so I moved back home after Trevecca, uh, moved back to Melbourne, Florida, um, where I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school. So uh, came back home, took the assistant coaching job at my former junior college to work with the guys and girls team. Uh, then started working the golf business a little bit at a local co- uh, country club and try to get um, some more hours, make some more money. And that just kind of fueled my desire to um, be a golf professional. And the opportunity opened up in last September and I got the job to be a full-time teaching instructor for golf. So last couple months or so i've been instructing full-time still serving the college kids and uh just um serving in my local community in my local church it's awesome awesome. and it's fires me up cool to hear just how god used you in your community and um too i know like you're doing what you love in just teaching golf uh and hey, as as a former baseball guy, right? Like once we once we all get done, we think we're uh, we're golfers all of a sudden, and <laughs> we need help. So uh, it's nice to be able to have someone like Ryan that I can send video to and say, uh, "Hey, what am I doing wrong here?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if it's anything like my swing, there's more wrong than there's right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we can get into that later. Yeah. Uh, we can we can. Uh, talk about you know hey what what advice as a as a golf instructor uh we'll get into that a little bit later talking about what advice you would give some some baseball guys because i know there's there's plenty uh plenty of them out there yeah and and i I need it to i might be out asking for uh selfish (laughs) reasons selfish reasons too uh guys with hand-eye coordination that's for sure there you go (laughs) (laughs) heck yeah man well hey we're calling this one battling perfectionism um something that you know I've struggled with in my life, Jay. I'm not going to speak for you, but something that I feel like uh, for sure. guys especially, but just in the sports world we struggle with, um, and, and man, Ryan, we're excited to hear you speak on this, something that I seriously have struggled with for my whole life, 
Um, you know, I oftentimes say, man, I'm just a perfectionist. I can't ever get anything right. I'm always striving and striving and striving to work, 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 work. It's all on me to make it perfect. You know, even maybe call it this OCD or whatever. Everything's got to be perfect or I can't feel right with myself. If I mess up, there's this weight on my shoulders. Um, and, man, in, in sports, that's a really tough place to live. Uh, and I might even say in golf especially, yeah. that's a tough place to live. Uh, even baseball, just from where Jay and I are coming from. Uh, but, man, perfectionism is one of those conversations that I feel like we really need to have. It's one of those powerful conversations that everyone needs to hear. I need to hear it. See, we're not just doing this for the folks out there. Like, I need to hear this. I mean, I'm looking forward to leaving here today being encouraged. Uh, and so, man, let me let me just say this or ask you this first question, Ryan. In, in, in terms of defining what you think perfectionism is, um, defining it, maybe maybe putting it to some simplicity or simplistic definition, something like that. What would you say to that? Yeah, to, de- to define perfectionism, I think I want to first uh, define the first word of that, which is just perfection. And that just kind of means without error or pure. So when something's perfect, it's without error or pure. And then perfectionism, I think, would just be the striving to be without error or pure. It's almost like that pursuit of that. That's yeah. awesome. No, I think that's good, and I one thing that stands out just to me as you say that is the striving, like the mm-hmm. striving to be without error. And I know for me personally, and you guys can share too, I'd, I'd say it's probably pretty similar. That's the hard part. When we think about even just the title of this episode and battling perfectionism, the hardest thing is like, yes, we want to be without error um, in anything we do, whether it's on the golf course, whether it's on the mound, we want to be without error. And the struggle comes in the striving. Because in the striving, man, there are so there's so many errors that we find along the way just as as we're trying, trying, trying to become that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me too, man, it you know, the thing that I love about this is that it's so gospel centric when we find the truth of it. Uh, and again, for you guys that are just now joining us for the podcast, maybe this is your first episode. This is the heart behind the podcast is to find the intersection of sports and the gospel, right? And I think in the message of perfectionism, you say this striving, uh, and every time that I strive and I try on my, what I have, like my strength, I'm always going to fall short, mm-hmm. um, every single time. And that's, what's so difficult about just where we live, uh, really just this, this world, honestly, see Genesis three fifteen. We'll get there later in the most crushing time, in the most crushing um, chapter of the entire Bible. We find this hope of promise uh, in Genesis three. We find this fall, and why are things broken? Why, when I strive, can I not reach that perfection? It's because of Genesis three. Um, and so, man, this conversation is so gospel centric. So that's why I'm so encouraged by this conversation already. Man, you're just reminding me already. It's like, hey, when I strive. I'm broken, you know, mm-hmm. and I continue that and I continue that and continue that. Um, man, so this is already so good, that striving. I think that's a, a great way to, to put it. So, uh, man, that's good. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I love that, um, just starting out with that definition because I think it's important to define it. It's easy for us to just place, just think about the word like, oh, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a perfect. You Like we hear that word thrown around so much, but uh, appreciate just you putting a definition before we get going as to like, okay, what, what does that mean? Um, and just to continue, uh, why is, as it applies to you in golf, why is battling perfectionism so difficult on the golf course and just sports in general? Yeah, I would say perfectionism is so difficult in golf just because of the nature of the sport. You know, you got to 
tiny hole that's 400 yards away on a par four, 550, 600 yards away on a par five, like 180 yards away on a par three. And you're trying to put this little golf ball in a hole that's that far away. And there's all sorts, and that's just not the hard part. Not every shot, it's like straight away and easy. You got trees and bunkers and water hazards and houses. Like you have all these obstacles in the way that are trying to prevent you from getting there. So any little error can just, you know, magnify your score. And I think that's why it's so um, important in golf. And then maybe make a baseball reference. Um, You know, a guy that's got good command and, you know, he's hitting his spots. You know, if he misses his spot to the wrong hitter, it could be 450 in in the bleachers, you know. Yeah. So that's why, and it can be costly. Jason yeah. that a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's, I mean, thinking about both like golf and baseball, you know, we're, we're baseball guys. You're a, you're a golfer and just thinking about how you, you just talked about it on the course in both sports. There's such a small, small, small margin of error. Mm-hmm. Like thinking about whenever you set up, like that's why alignment in golf I've learned is so important. Right, because you're you're going for a tiny hole that is, you know, hundreds of yards away, and if your alignment is off a little bit, like even if you if you go through, you square the club face good, you make good contact. Like if you're lined up wrong, right? It's not not a good shot because because no. <laughs> you're not lined up the right way. And in the same way, like in baseball, I mean, you can miss your spot by uh by two inches. And or, or something breaks over the middle of the plate, and a guy catches a barrel and gets under it, and mm-hmm. you know you you get a double in the gap, as opposed to the ground out that you wanted. You know, there's just there's so little um, so little margin for error that I think in golf and baseball, probably the mo- the two most like mental sports mm-hmm. out there, the margin for error is super small, which makes relates back to your definition of perfectionism like the striving for perfection in those two sports (laughs) becomes like impossible in a way. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny uh, thinking about just the the margin for error is so small. Um, You know, we look at statistics of Hall of Famers, you know, I'm not familiar with golf Hall of Fame. I'm sure there is one, Uh, but thinking about baseball Hall of Fame and thinking about uh, pitchers and hitters and the best of all time, uh, they made a career of failing right? Put that in perspective. Uh, They fail 70% of the time and they still, for the most part, you know, people that fail 70% of the time are Hall of Famers. Uh, Putting that (laughs) in perspective too for baseball, right? Chipper Jones, a 305 career hitter or 303 career hitter, basically from both sides of the plate. He is a Hall of Famer and he failed 60, what, eight, nine percent of the time, right? 70%. That is incredible. Uh, you see, there's so much pressure. Like you said, I, I love the analogy. You say, man, there's there's houses and there's trees and there's wind and there's this and there's that in the way of where we're going, right? This little tiny hole that we're trying to get a ball in. Um, and, and, man, I continue to fail and I continue to fail. There's things that come up and come in and get out of the way. And, 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 and man, even when you take a good shot, you're like, man, let me do it again. And what can you not do? <laughs> At least for me, I can't do it, right? There's these things in the way. Uh, that's so much like just real life. Um, that's just the journey that we're on, I believe, as Christians as well on this walk of faith. There's houses, there's trees, there's wind, there's obstacles. Um, 
just the materialistic kind of world that gets in the way. Uh, and man, I can never do it right. You know, and there's mm-hmm. this pressure that oftentimes comes onto my shoulders. Uh, it's like, man, there's this weight, there's this bag of bricks that you're carrying. You're, you're, it's, it's weighty. Uh, but man, isn't that like what the world tells us? <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You know, and I guess we'll relate it to the gospel here in a minute. I don't want to do it yet because I want to do your story <laughs> finishing. Uh, but here's the beauty is that I, the truth stands true is like, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. But man, I'm going too far ahead. Uh, Ryan. But Jay. one other thing I wanted to <laughs> add in too, like why perfection is a big deal is, yeah. you know, in baseball, it's a little more one-on-one, like person versus person, like kind of matchup, match play, pitcher versus batter or team versus team. In golf, it's, you know, we, I just talked about me versus the golf course, but we didn't even consider like in a PGA Tour event, them having 156 players of the best players in the world. Like if you want to win, and if you only can, if you consider winning is like the ultimate like success, I mean, man, <laughs> you're gonna fall short a lot. You're gonna fail. I mean, Tiger Woods had some unreal statistics, and he he considered only success was like a win, and even he failed. So, not only the game of golf being having to be perfect, but when you have to face 156 guys that are the best in the world, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. And just thinking about winning too, like. You know, whenever you step into a uh, competition, when you step into a tournament, whatever it might be, you want to win, right? Like that—that's your goal in competing. Is is or part of the goal is you you just want to go out and win. And you hear interviews of of guys like that have won, and I I can't remember what athlete it was. It might have been Tom Brady, not sure, but he he said like, "What what's your favorite ring? The next one." You know, whenever Mm -hmm. we get there. It's one, it's not without error. Like you get there through errors. You you battle through those. So the journey in and of itself is not perfect. And it just goes to show like winning, even if it's against 156 of the best players in the world, like it doesn't fulfill us. You know, I'm sure Ryan, you would say like you had, uh, you had a great career at Treveca. Like you won, uh, let me pull it up right here. You won, uh, you had three career wins, which is a fourth most in school history. Um, so you were able to, to win tournaments and I'm sure you could say those wins did, it didn't, although they were good and you enjoyed them, like it didn't fulfill you. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, one quote that I've seen also talking about Tom Brady. If you look up his clip on 60 minutes when he Mm -hmm. had three Super Bowls, he just goes, He's like, man, like I've done all these things and they just don't satisfy. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, well, what do you think it is? And he just kind of says, he almost breaks down in tears in the 60 minutes episode and goes, I wish I knew, you know, and that just goes to show that, you know, we can't find our satisfaction in our performance and our athletic ability. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's going to fail us every time. Right. You mm-hmm. name what Tom Brady's got. Um, I think what I mean, he, he married a supermodel. He's got kids he loves. He plays for one of the most um, best coaches of all time, one of the best organizations of all time in the you know New England Patriots when this took place. How many Super Bowls does he have? Seven. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I think he's it's got like seven. really all you could ever want. Honestly, like materialistic, worldly, he's got all the money he wants, all the contracts, um, and even then, he says, "Man, like my performance, it's but a fail." Essentially, you know, he didn't say that mm-hmm. word for word, but it's like, "Man, my my." perfection i couldn't strive for it i couldn't reach it because what i was doing what i was striving for again taking that word that you said didn't satisfy um meaning that that perfectionism drive that he has it's not what he thought it was going to be you know 
uh, it really just destroyed him from the inside out. Um, man, it, it, it's crazy to look at somebody like him that everybody knows of to see all the success and all the amazing things that he's done. And even then, um, it wasn't what he thought it was, you know? Yeah, my friend has a quote. He says, if it doesn't work for Tiger Woods and it doesn't work for Tom Brady, why, is it th- why do you think it's going to work for you? <laughs> That's good because we spend our – like. Most of our, especially whenever you're growing up, like you spend all your time in training to hopefully at one point get to that spot. Mm -hmm. So I love that quote because it's like, well, if it doesn't fulfill them, someone who's won seven Super Bowls, like you think that's going to change for you? Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's really good. I'm going to have to put that up on the wall. (laughs) That's good. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to just hearing the answer answer on this because – Really kind of what we were just talking about is there's a, there's a hole in our heart that we try to fill with other things. We try to fill with the satisfaction of winning, the thrill of competing. And really what it is is it's, it's, a, it's a God-shaped hole. You know, you hear that saying. And we, mm-hmm. try, to, we try to fill it with other things. And we, are, we try to be so perfect in our pursuit of that because we think that being perfect will help us reach that thing. So, Ryan, what just what lessons has God taught you about battling perfectionism in your journey learning about that? What's God taught you? Yeah, um, this just hits home so much with my testimony. So just for a little bit of context, like to put it in baseball terms, again, I love analogies. I don't know if you guys can tell. I love <laughs> doing this in my lessons. So, like... I wasn't the guy with swing and miss stuff like Jay might have had in baseball. I was the weak contact pitcher that, you know, if I've, I'm hitting my spots, I'm going to do pretty good. But if I'm off, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm going to get hit, hit hard or get shelled. So because of this, like in translation to golf, like I was kind of that scrappy player that can make a lot of pars, but didn't make a lot of birdies or like go and just absolutely tear up the course um, until later in my career. So I had to put a lot of emphasis on like limiting mistakes and not making bogeys because I wasn't good enough to go and make, you know, two or three birdies to go offset it. So with that in mind, I was super hard on myself. Like if I three putted or if I hit a ball OB, I was like, oh no, like I'm going to really mess this up. Like that's that perfection was crushing me and I would just carry it on to the next holes and next holes. Um and I think this mindset really just came from my wrong view of God. Um, I grew up Catholic, um, assumed that if I did good works, I would earn my way to heaven. And if I did bad things, God was going to punish me. Kind of had like a karma mentality. Um, and when I was living, when I felt like I was living well, I was like, man, God's treating me so good. Like I'm getting good golf. I'm getting good grades. You know, things are great. But when I felt like I was in sin or I did things against God's law, I was like, man, you know. I, I'm, I'm always like watching around like what's going to what what's going to happen next like what's going to be bad am I going to play bad golf oh I'm playing bad today because I sin you know stuff like that so I really thought my performance was based on my perfection of keeping you know God's commandments so um having this in mind like that I think I dealt with this through throughout high school throughout college um and it was my junior year when I first got to Treveca, um, I was eating a Mexican restaurant with um, with my teammates. What restaurant? Las Palmas in Hermitage. Oh, Tennessee. yeah. So uh, shout out Las Palmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
So a, a minister from College Golf Fellowship named William Kane. A lot of his quotes have already stolen and used. He's the friend that I used, stole the other quotes from. But um, he took us out to dinner. Um, just wanted to meet us, and he—he's kind of like a chaplain for a bunch of teams in the college golf world. It's a really cool ministry. You should guys—if you guys are listening—check out College Golf Fellowship. Um, and during this time, you know, he's like, "All right, boys, let's open our Bibles to Romans one sixteen and 17. And it says, "I'm going to read it, read it here." So it says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek." For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I just remember reading that and I was just lost. I was like, man, like, there's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes and like the righteousness comes through faith. I was like, man, I thought the righteousness, that righteousness came through my own works and my own doing. So as I just kind of wrestled with that and asked questions and just didn't understand the gospel, um, William hit me on the back. They kind of just gently patted me on it and said, buddy, you don't have all the answers. And for the first time in my life, I was like being a self-righteous Catholic, a guy that was more like a know-it-all and always strived to be right. It was one of those moments where I was deeply humbled, where it's like, you know what? He's right. And what was interesting was he did that. And it was only like the first or second time I've ever hung out with him. So for a guy to have like that kind of care and like, to be that like corrective, I feel like it was a move of the spirit in him and God kind of touching me where it's like, you don't have all the answers you need to, you know, read your Bible. And just as I kind of came to, uh, you know, spend more time in these Bible studies and more time with William and more time in the word, like I started to see that I was saved by grace through faith, um, that I was the older brother and the prodigal son, like as I was striving for perfection, um, you know, and just to earn God's favor. Um, and that it wasn't, um, that, that, that mentality was just as sinful as, you know, the younger brother going and just squandering everything. So as I began to see that righteousness wasn't by my own merit, um, and that it was only by Jesus, his death, his resurrection. Um, this is when I began to play free in love. Like you guys talked about. I I love that and I love just hearing like a second ago you mentioned like realizing that being saved by saved by grace through faith is like true mm-hmm. like whenever that whenever that hits like whenever the the true feeling of, of grace hits it's like it it's just an unreal like feeling I'll, I'll share a story real quick just on on an experience I had with, um, someone who, who's discipled me, um, his name's Todd Tanner and, and, uh, we would meet up for lunch kind of in the, in my last year at Trevecca and, and I was just, just struggling with exactly what you were talking about, like with striving, trying to strive, trying to strive, feeling like I just wasn't good enough. And that Mm -hmm. what, how I was living just like was not, pleasing to God. And we were at Jim and Nick's in, uh, Franklin, cool Springs. Uh, so we were just eating like barbecue at lunch and he, and he was telling me, he's like, do you, do you know, like, you know, what, what would, what would Jesus, what would Jesus say? And I, you know, was like, well, 
he'd say he loves me and he's he brought up the analogy and it and it like completely wrecked me he's like you know how a grandparent like shows off pictures of their grandkid or a parent shows off pictures of their child just so proud like hey look at this beautiful beautiful child like not perfect hmm. but man i i love i love him like i he's he's not perfect but you know what he he is mine and i love him and he was like that's how jesus feels about you and i feel like that was one of the first times for me man the idea of grace just like clicked and mm-hmm. i just start bawling my eyes out at Jim and Nick's and Franklin. Yeah. It just ugly crying there in at like noon, but it's, it's such a beautiful feeling. And like you described the same thing, just the real realization that, you know, it's, it's not my, um, it's not my works, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not something that I can do or a series of things that I can do or anything that I can put together what it is is we are saved by grace through faith. It is tough to realize that is true, yep. but you know what? It's true, yep. like, mm-hmm. and that is a great news. Dude, that fires me up. I mean, that's straight gospel, you know. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned uh, just this idea of, of grace again and Jay grace, and, and grace is receiving something, getting something we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I haven't earned it, and if I had, then I wouldn't need God. Uh, because it'd be on me, right? I, I give this stair-step analogy uh, to my students, and it's, hey, we walk up, uh, it may be three stairs when I'm doing well. Maybe, you know, you birdie, you're like, oh, I've got, you know, I'm good, I'm feeling good. And then you par the next one, or okay, maybe one down, and then you bogey the next one, and then you're down to three. And then now you're minus one stairs. You, you, you see what I'm saying? It goes on and on and on. It's this idea yeah. of, man, it's on me. This performance is on me. This perfectionism is on me. When I fail it, um, I've lost it. You see the gift of, uh, you know, we find this in Hebrews as well, Jay, going against what you've said or going right in with what you've said as well. Like Jesus is not afraid or ashamed to call you his younger brother. Uh, Put that in perspective. I'm a failure. I messed up. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty dirty, you know. Um, I, 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 I've got this mud on me. You know, I, I make the analogy. It's silly again with my kids. Like, man, we're dirtier than dirty pigs. <laughs> Just putting it in perspective. You know, like I'm dirtier than that. Uh, and yet uh, the king of the universe says, no, I want you. And I'm not afraid or ashamed to associate myself with you. And it says this, that's not why he, or it says this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Right? He, he says he's not ashamed to call his brothers. It says this too in Hebrews, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So he came down to live with us as well. And guess what he did, who is the Christ Jesus, the one and only spotless perfect lamb. He went and lived that perfect life so that who wouldn't have to? You, Ryan, you, Jay, and me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the power of the gospel here in this story. Um, and anyone that puts their faith in Christ. Yeah. What an invitation. See, you've been invited. It's our turn to invite, and this is the invitation. You don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be perfect because somebody else already has been. You know, uh, Somebody lived that perfect obedience. Somebody did that. It says this in Hebrews uh, 5, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, right? And we could talk more about that in another episode. Uh, but he, because of his perfection, has made a way, right? And the beauty of it is, is I don't have to now. How amazing is that? What a refresher, right? Hey, now you don't have to go birdie, 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 birdie. Jay, you don't got to strike out everybody. 
you can fail and be like, man, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm good because somebody's done that for me. They've taken the weight off my shoulders. Uh, that gets me fired up if you guys can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus solved our biggest problem. And, you know, going, going from that, um, from that mindset of like taking the gospel and applying it now, it's like, man, you can play golf or play baseball for his glory. Mm-hmm. Like your identity's not in your golf score your identity is not in your strikeouts or your era or your win and loss column like no your identity is in christ like and what he has done for you yeah yeah it's awesome man. and that's that's beautiful and one question it makes me uh think of and sorry to sorry to put you on the spot here ryan but just kind of thinking about sports like golf i think especially it's hard to battle this perfectionism whenever you're whenever you're actually out there you know um these are things that we we know are true and that you said you know god has taught you and god has has taught us that being saved by grace through faith is true now how do we like whenever you're on the golf course in the act of competing right how do we battle that perfectionism while we're in it yeah i think um, just like we mentioned before, like understanding that we're going to make mistakes. Like I might miss a three footer. I might hit one in the water, you know, but if I can really just focus on like one task at a time and, you know, even if I can just look to Jesus and just be thankful, like the mindset of, I don't really have to worry about this performance and like, you know, it doesn't have a hold on me. I can, um, you know, I can go and just, play to the glory of God one shot at a time, do the best I can and know that, Hey, I'm playing free and loved. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me say this quick stat just in terms of how to respond to that. And in another stat that I was thinking about, um, because it's so, it's so tough to, to, to respond to that really in the middle of it, it says this at 10 feet, two are professionals only make 40% of the putts. Uh, to wow. me, isn't that yep. crazy? No, that's crazy. crazy. Ten foot, and like, hey, they're just like me, uh, except for I'd probably make, you know, maybe one percent. Um, Here's another stat for you: from yeah. thirty feet, they make as many as they three putt, so they average two putts from thirty feet. Okay, and you, and, and for me, it's like I would think that they would be better than that. You know what I mean? It oh puts yeah. Puts in perspective, uh, man, how to respond to that? I don't know. Thinking about that, um, <laughs> it's funny because I'm thinking about other people now, but it takes a weight off of our shoulders again too. I don't have to be like somebody else. I don't have to do this. I don't have to – you see, it's not on what we do. It's on what's already been done. Uh, it's the past tense, right? That's the gospel. Um, thinking about things like that, too, and just hearing what you say is, is incredible to me. Uh, man, that, that, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. No, I love, I love hearing that. And, um, man, Ryan, just, just thank you for sharing your testimony, too. And it's so, so powerful to hear because – perfectionism is something that I think everyone, some people battle it more than others for sure, just with the way that they are wired. But I think it's something that everyone can relate to in some way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. just trying to be perfect and trying to strive. So just thank you for the, for sharing the ways that God has, has taught you and, and led you and sanctified you through that entire process, man, that beautiful, just beautiful words and a beautiful story. Yeah. Thanks guys for letting me, you know, come on and just be able to have this platform to share it. Um, all glory to Christ for what he's done. 
It's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, that fires me up too. Just thinking about the beauty of that. You know, oftentimes we talk about the gospel, but how amazing is it to see it come to fruition in your life? Uh, you know, we want to see it. We want to taste and see it, and we can obviously taste it here uh, by your words, but also see it in your life. And what a gift that is. You know. Uh, the grace of God that has stretched on us. And he said, hey, Ryan, it's not on you, brother. Jay, it's not on you, brother. You know, it's on me. I already did it. Um, that, to me, uh, is the most exciting word that we could ever share, you know. Um, you know, I, I don't know, just taking the pressure off. Um, because how many times do we go about this whole perfectionism or whatever we do? Even in the classroom, Jay, you and I, um, you know, it, it, even for me, the battle is like, hey, if I write on the board and it doesn't look perfect, like I race it, I start over. It's like, that's so silly, you know, like who cares, you know, who cares what it looks like? Uh, who cares if my desks are arranged correctly? You know, who cares if my shoes are put in, put right in, uh, in the closet? Uh, you know, who cares if you three putt? Who cares if you, if you birdie? Uh, you know, we care about that kind of stuff, but man, you know, I think the word of the day here is this, man, I've already done that. You know, you don't have to have this pressure of doing everything so perfectly because uh, guess what? We live in a fallen world and we're going to fail. So, man, I'm encouraged by uh, by your wisdom here, the ways that you've learned, the way that the Lord has spoken to you through this and has encouraged you. And, man, uh, you've made me better. Yep. Yeah, one other final thought in, you know, when I had this kind of legalistic view, that's what the Bible kind of calls it. You know, one thing that i remind myself of or i'm drawn to is galatians 2 and it just says like if we could earn it then christ died for no purpose yeah like you know just to see that the cross um and that if if i could earn my own own way to heaven then like why did jesus come um so it's it just keeps faith in perspective when we look at it from that side that's good man yeah yeah without a doubt for sure jesus has done it so we don't have to do it Um, that's amazing. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing that. And, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. There's a, there's a lot going on in, in the sports world right now. Uh, MLB just started Ryan, you and I, we play in a fantasy baseball league together. I touched on earlier. You're a fantasy baseball, uh, general manager, 14 years running. Has it been 14 years? I started when I was 11. Wow. (laughs) For same league. I know it's a, yeah it was it's some of the same players in the league okay Um, okay but it's all of like my buddies i played baseball with their dads and then it's an honor to have you and some other friends in the league as well well i am definitely honored to to be in the league i gotta say it is legit i finished 10th place out of 10 last year so hey you know what nowhere to nowhere to go but up Uh, yeah but you got everyone's best week last year so like you're not I think the uh, summary or like the theme of this podcast is that, that Jay just has bad luck in sports, man. I mean, we've seen in March Madness, March Madness especially. March uh, Madness, you do, you don't want to copy my picks. Uh, the two teams <laughs> I picked last podcast episode yeah. are now out of it: Texas and Florida Atlantic. Uh, so that didn't go well last year. Fantasy baseball did not go well, but you know what? I'm I'm winning this week's matchup, and we're like. <laughs> Three or four games in, so we'll see if uh, we'll see if we can hold on, hold on for another trending week. Trending upwards, right? Trending. <laughs> up, it's the only way to trend. I yeah. being you know being at the bottom, you can't trend downwards. But you know what? Think think speed of Christ that my identity is not in fantasy baseball. <laughs> there, right? it is. there it is. Uh, that's the word of the day. Uh, that a boy. 
man, I'm I'm you know I've gotten into fantasy baseball as well, and it is a blast. I know you've been doing it for a while, Ryan. Jay, you've done it before. I've done it before too, but it has never been realistic for me. It's like I forgot about it. I haven't paid attention to it. Whatever, just draft and whatever. This year, I got invited to do a uh, uh, a league with ten guys here in the Nashville area. A lot of them work here where we work, and we start with three hundred virtual dollars. And it was an auction draft. Uh, and so last Sunday, a week ago, we drafted, and it took four hours. It took four hours to draft. Because here's the deal. You nominate players, right? So, hey, I nominate, I don't know, Adley Rutschman, right? And then all ten guys would begin to bid on him with that virtual money. And so I ended up getting Adley Rutschman for $21, and he was on my team. So go 300 minus 21, and then you've got that much money left, right? And then, hey, I've got – uh, you know, Shohei Otani went for $84. So the guy that had him got him was 216 left after he got Shohei Otani. So that's the league that we're in. Man, fantasy baseball is a blast. Opening day is one of my favorite days of the year. This week of just opening week of baseball has been a blast. It's been so much fun. Um, the Braves lost today. Uh, this was our best start, 2-0. and Now 2-1, and but 2-0 and was the best start we've had since 2015. Uh, Braves are known for just messing up on opening day. Uh, so what a gift it was that they won opening day seven to one or seven to two, and then yesterday seven to one, um, outscoring the Nationals fourteen to two in or fourteen to three in the first two days. Uh, to me, that's pretty good. Um, man, I'm excited about just where we're at. I love baseball season. It's fun. It's super fun. It is fun. I love opening day uh, this year. I did, the first year that all 30 teams had played on opening day yeah, so that was right. just a fun day to uh fun day to watch fun day to uh follow along with the cubs hey they started out 1 and 0 uh turns out they were they're not going 162 and 0 they lost the second game against Milwaukee and I just checked the score they're getting beat 8 to 2 right now no. uh so but I will say this Dansby Swanson is awesome. He has come in. Game changer. He has gone. I think he was three for four each of his first two games, and then uh, made like an awesome diving play in the game yesterday. He's just a fun guy to watch play the game. Like he plays solid defense. He is a line drive guy. I'm excited to watch him uh, play throughout the rest of the year. And uh, two, Marcus Stroman. He came out. And he had an incredible game. The first, uh, the first outing. I love watching, and I know Ryan will touch on this here in a second. I love watch following along with the NL Central. Uh, I'm, I'm a Cubs guy. Ryan, you're a Pirates guy. What, have, what have the Pirates been up to in the first few days of the year? I mean, I love O'Neill Cruz, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're probably a bigger O'Neill Cruz fan than myself. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pirate fan because my dad grew up in Pittsburgh, even though I've lived in Florida my whole life. So yeah, you're Tampa's, definitely not a nobody's a bandwagon pirate. No one's fan. a bandwagon yeah. pirates fan. No, sure. you can't be a bandwagon pirates fan. No, so no, you can't be. I'll say this because you know I don't get to say it often, but last time I checked, we were one and one. And we're a 500 baseball club, so <laughs> might be the only time Enjoy you can it. say that. All that year. might be the last time I could say it for the <laughs> year, but that's all right. Here, I do, I do want to ask you this because I know that we have we have a couple of listeners actually that are big Reds fans. Uh, one of them is is uh, one of our players and students here, Isaiah. The other one, you know, uh, Braden. 
right? Yeah. Braden uh, Odom from Trebekah, also uh, also a Reds guy. Uh, who's going to finish in the bottom of the division? NL Central 2023, Reds or Pirates, who's finishing in the basement? Oh, it's got to be the Reds. I mean, Ooh, yeah, I don't, Dude. I think they're, they're pitching's overhyped. You know, I, I don't know. I can't name a single hitter in their, in their lineup. Maybe, maybe Stevenson, the catcher, but that's Stevenson's about it. Legit. I think he's good. I would, I would think I'd have to say the Reds too. I, I think, think the Pirates have so many young players that I, that I think are really good. I don't know how well y'all's pitching is, but I think the Pirates are good. They went and got a couple free agents as well. Santana. Um, like Carlos Santana. Yeah, yeah they he's got Santana. There who I think is good. Um, but O'Neill Cruz, bro, he is legit. Got to see him in spring. I told, you know, the listeners this a couple couple weeks ago. And then I, I like Cabrian Hayes. And, man, I love Brian Reynolds. I'm going to say Brian Reynolds, Reynolds in, a, in a contract um, year or yeah. just kind of want to trade maybe. I, I think he'll be bit. traded. That would be a prediction that I that I have. Is like he's traded at the deadline. He's probably sent to see L.A., that or New York, or somewhere with a lot of money and a contender, which L.A. wouldn't be, but, um, well, the Dodgers might. But I think he, he gets shipped to a team that has a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Speaking of L.A., what what is a more Los Angeles Angels start to the season than their opening, <laughs> oh, opening day loss to the Oakland A's? Otani goes out and he throws a gem, an absolute gem, they have Trout and Otani both coming off the World Baseball Classic, and they lose to the Oakland A's, two to one. Yeah, it's tough. I mean that that <laughs> about just, Rendon too. Yeah, and the whole whole thing with Rendon, like that is that's crazy. I couldn't believe that when I read it. Like it it seems fake yeah. in a way. Yeah, man, I I, th- I don't know what to think about the Angels. They they you know, we talked about this as well. They have the two best players in the MLB. Without a doubt, in my mind, they have the two best players in the MLB. And you know, it's funny, it goes back even to last year. I was talking with one of my buddies the other day. It was like, or maybe it was UJ and multiple people I've brought this up. It was like, man, Otani, three for, you know, three for four, two doubles and a home run. Mike Trout, two for five with, you know, I don't know, a homer and a single and three RBIs. Angels lose, <laughs> you yeah. know, it was like, you know, they'd go four home runs each and angels lose. I don't know what they can do. I, I legitimately don't know what they can do to win. I think the angels are just like the chargers of, of football. Like they That's have these high expectations, yeah. these high top players and they, the chargers are the chargers. That's what I like to say when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs, the angels are the angels. Mm. That's right. That's good. That the angels are almost like the exact opposite team uh, of the Tampa Bay Rays like the Angels have the best two players on the entire planet and have had them on their roster for a while Mm. have I don't Trout I think has played in one postseason Tampa Bay I mean I I can't name probably half the guys on their roster but they're going out every year and they're winning 90 plus games competing in the AL East that is an absolute like gauntlet to go through yeah. I mean, the worst team in the AL East this year might be like Baltimore or Boston, and both of those teams are pretty solid, really. I mean, and neither one of those teams are we would consider to be like tanking, you know. No. I mean, yeah. it's a great division, and they're yeah. going out winning with just solid guys. Yeah, the th- you know, one guy 
Uh, maybe I know a couple, but I'll say one guy. One guy for Tampa Bay that went crazy today is Jeffrey Springs. Got me 35 fantasy points. He got the win, went for six innings, 12 Ks, only one walk, 81 pitches. That's excellent. 81 pitches and 12 strikeouts pretty good. In six innings. <laughs> yeah. That's terrific. Yeah, that's really So good. he's one guy. I know they have um, the switch hitting uh, Wander Franco. And then after that, I'll be honest with you, I don't know many people that Tampa has, but but they contend every year. Yeah, they do. You're right. Yeah, they do. They're uh, they're kind of the opposite of of LA. But it's been a it's been a fun opening week of baseball, opening few days rather. Um, but coming up is a tradition like no other. The Masters going to be playing this upcoming weekend, so perfect timing for us to have a uh, a golf guy on. So, Ryan, give us a little bit of a preview of the Masters along with your prediction to win it. Yeah, this Masters is going to be uh, pretty interesting because it's the first Masters or even major, I believe, where the live guys are going to be playing in the same tournament. So Hmm. there's a lot of media buzz about how are the live guys going to be received and how are the PGA Tour guys going to welcome them in. I think it's just a lot of stuff that's going to – just try to drum up golf and make it more um, appealing or more interesting. Um, but so that's that's a talk, topic in the golf world right now. Um, What's your opinion on the live stuff on live golf? Oh man, how much time have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't like like it so much. It's just kind of weird for the game, and like the reasons the guys gave are kind of weird. But I can't fault them at all. Like. If you said, "Hey, Ryan, you could go play around the world, play twenty events a week a year, and make one hundred twenty-five thousand to finish in last place," it's like, guaranteed money, there, isn't it? It's, like a, yeah, it's guaranteed money. It's it's crazy what they're doing. So, and less events. How many how many events less? Do you know how many the normal? PGA uh, it's Tour about guys? the PJ Tour guys play twenty to twenty-five. The live was originally going to be like fourteen to eighteen. Okay. Yeah, last year there weren't very. M- there weren't very many live tournaments, but I don't think they they didn't start till later in the year. Like they yeah. they launched a little later last year. Yeah, yeah, and they're and you are right. They're traveling the world. Right? Yeah, and, and and I'm not no matter how you place, you get money. And I'm not really interested too much. Like I haven't really watched any of their events. Like they're even playing Orlando right now, and I had like not much interest to go. Um, but I really can't fault the guys. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, sorry, sorry to get off track there. I was just <laughs> that can be it. Maybe next time you come on, we can we can talk about the live golf stuff. But uh, your prediction, just with you know, finish up your Masters preview. Sorry, I, I threw you off track there. No, no worries. So um, you got a lot of guys coming into form. Um, Rory just was playing well in the match play and lost to Cam Young. Um. Scotty was playing well, Scotty Scheffler, and he lost to Sam Burns, his friend. And then Sam Burns went on to win. And then John Rahm is, you know, T to green, one of the best players in the game right now. So in terms of Augusta, like those are three guys that are, you know, they keep flopping in the world rankings. Like one's one's number one in the world one week. The next guy's number one in the world next week. Um, so it's, it's fun to watch. It's good golf. Um, Scheffler's coming off a pretty good run at this time. Like last year, he's been really dominant. Um, he's been in contention. He won the players was doing well in the match play. Um, and I'm a kind of a guy I'm, I normally pick favorites. I don't really 
have bold predictions or roll with dark horses. I'm a huge Scotty Scheffler fan because of not because of who he, uh, not because of his golf, but also because of who he is and his faith in Christ and um, what he does for College Golf Fellowship. And um, so I'm rolling with Scotty. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. It, 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 would I be correct to say he won last year? Yes. Okay. He did. So he would be repeat. You may not know the answer to this. How many repeat champions have there been for the Masters? Do you, do you know the answer off the top of the dome? Ooh. Um, I'll look we, it up. We can look that up because I'm, I'm actually genuinely curious just in terms of like how likely is it that someone does repeat, you know? Um, it doesn't, I don't I feel like it would be very. It hasn't very, happened very often. Yeah, maybe Tiger. Yeah, <laughs> probably I'm, Tiger. I just uh, even found Tiger it. was getting clipped by Phil and okay. DJ. Yeah, it it's ha- it says here it's happened. Three players have defended their titles: uh, Jack Nicklaus in '65 and '66, Nick okay. is it Faldo, Faldo in '89 and '90, and Tiger in 2001, 2002. It's only okay. three times. So, so three times. So you're going with the repeat champion, which I like. And, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll probably echo what you said. Um, I'm looking at the number one golfer in the world right now, and it is Scotty Scheffler. Um, and I like him as well. I've enjoyed watching his golf. I enjoy the way that, you know, you can just see he loves his family. Uh, the way that he plays his golf is just, is just good. I, I don't know. There's just something about him where you know that he's not lost in his performance. You can tell a little bit to me when I'm watching that he does play and then he does play love or play free in love. Um, and I know I'm just watching him from TV. I don't know the guy, but I enjoy, I legitimately enjoy watching him play golf. Um, I think I'll, I'll probably have to go Scotty Scheffler as well if I were to predict a winner. But here's somebody that played well last year. And, and, and I'm looking at the odds too, just to see what the odds are. Cam Smith, 12 to 1. I think Cam Smith is a great golfer too. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, he's a little bit different, I think, from what I remember watching. Cam Smith mm-hmm. is always a fun golfer uh, that I enjoyed watching last year's Masters. Um, I remember it kind of, for me, he was put on the map just watching him, hearing about him. See, I don't know the ton of guys. Like, my grandfather watches a ton of golf. Uh, somebody like you, Ryan, that even knows golf better. Uh, I don't know golf super, super well. But I do remember him. Um, and then, obviously, here's just a guy that I enjoy is Justin Thomas. I'm an Alabama f- sports fan. He went to Alabama. He's a good golfer. I, I I don't know if he's got what it takes to win a Masters. Is what it takes to win a Masters is uh, it takes a lot more than win any other tournament. So I don't know if he'd win. Uh, and, and I'm trying to just copy the golf guy, but I think Scotty Scheffler again. I think he's legit. I think he's got what it takes to win. Hey, Cam Smith, reigning Open champion. Okay. JT, reigning PGA champion. So both major championship winners the last in the last year so okay. so I've, I've i've got some, you go. some good choices here <laughs> there you go got some good choices there you go uh, i'm gonna go for my pick is uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go john rom i know he's kind of up there in the conversation ryan you were saying earlier there's some guys that just kind of any given week they they might be up at number one john rom is a guy that i i do like watching his swing like I think I've told you this before, Ryan. Like, yeah, if I watch like a pro guy's swing, if I get on a kick, I'm like, I'm just gonna watch like golf YouTube for a little bit. I do just <laughs> like, I like Rom swing just because it's like it's short and simple. Like it, it it's sure. just a very short, simple, compact swing. So he's a guy I just I enjoy watching him play. Um, and he's has he won a Masters before? I don't. I don't think he has. Uh, he's won the U.S. Open. Okay, U.S. Open. So 
we'll see. Maybe my sports predictions are about to make a turnaround here. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got uh, John Rom. He'll be my pick to win it. Another guy that I just like to root for too is uh, Tony Finau. I he's just a fun Good guy. Dark horse pick. He's just yeah. a fun guy to root for. I know his odds aren't like he's probably. I don't even know if he's in the top ten right now. Um, but I just he I is. like to watch. Is he in the top ten? Well, in terms of odds. Okay, in terms of odds, he is. I like watching him play. One of my favorite. Uh, think like, ter- I was watching golf on TV one day, and he hit. Pretty sure it was Finau. Hit a hole in one. He ran down celebrating and like dislocated <laughs> his ankle. But yeah, I just contest. I was that what it was? Yeah. Whenever he did it, I love how ex- like any guy that gets that excited and he's just yeah. like that happy whenever. I mean, that's just that's cool to watch as a sports fan. Just his like he was happy whenever he made that. You know, instead of just acting like. He, I know some people say like, oh, act act like you've been there before. It's fun to watch people get excited it's part of what draws us into sports so um i'm i'm looking forward to watching him the masters um a tradition like no other parker you want to introduce the question that you talked about i think this is a fun topic to just kind of wrap us up so uh, a beloved um mentor friend colleague now in my life um I'll, i'll give him credit larry nesbitt gave me this question uh, gave me this question. He was walking. We were walking uh, to our cars just after school, down uh, where we park. Um, and he said, "Okay, so it, you know, with the Masters coming up, it, since the Masters, they they claim to be a tradition like no other. Uh, what are some other traditions that rank up there? Sports traditions that rank up there with the Masters, right? Um, just something that happens year after year. Maybe we'll even say four years every four years." But what are those traditions that happen every year or every you know four years or whatever um, that rank up there with the Masters? Because I would argue, again, in, in agreement, that the Masters is a tradition like no other. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just something about when the Masters is on, my attention is drawn near, and I'm not even the hugest golf fan. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm asking you guys. Maybe we go one one. You know, I'll go, Jay go, Ryan go, or you know, we can just kind of uh, go whenever if you got one. Uh, but what are some traditions that rank up there with the Masters as traditions like uh, that, that that have the same kind of or similar feel uh, of the Masters? What would y'all say? I, I've got one. I think the the first one that came to my mind when I heard this question is Army Navy. Yeah, the Army yeah. Navy football game is true. Like is. If we're thinking about the the question, a tradition like no other, mm-hmm. the Army Navy game is a tradition, and in my opinion, it is truly like no other football game yeah, that has right. played the entire year. Yep, the tradition with with both sides, the, the midshipmen and the cadets, the fact that it has been played for so long, and that it really doesn't matter what the team's records are. You know, I, I don't know what their records were this year, but it it's a game that it is packed. Mm-hmm. I know it's one I I tune into every year. Like no matter what you're doing or what whatever their records are, millions of people are tuning into that game. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing tradition. The people I've talked to that have gone have said it's one of the just best sporting events they've ever gone to. Uh, it's on my one of my like sporting event bucket list items is to go to one of those games. I think it would be amazing. So that's the first one that comes to mind to me is the Army Navy football game. That's a great one. 
See, what they do for that game is they get new uniforms, you know, both teams. Yeah. They, they hype it up. The President of the United States is there. They do the flyover. I mean, everything is legit. That is absolutely a tradition like no other. Nobody, mm-hmm. no, no game even is close to that one. The, really, the only time, too, you can sit <laughs> watching the triple option being yeah. run on both sides. It's like you might be the might be the fastest game played for college football. Yeah. Is true. That's yeah. a that's a good question. Yeah, that's a, I like it that. probably is. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, the first one I thought of um, was Notre Dame hitting the "Play Like a Champion Today" sign. Hmm. Oh, oh, that's that. good. That's I kind of I kind of like that tradition that they have. I like that's, that. That's See, good. I it's, didn't even think about that. Yeah. That is so much like that's Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. That it, whenever you think of Notre Dame, that's like, that's iconic. Yeah. That sign is just, <laughs> I, it's played on, I don't, every that's college good. football preview. That's, that's good. I, yeah. I like that. That is that's a good. solid, solid pick. You've made my thinking go differently now, thinking about traditions that teams do, not just in general. But here's where my brain is thinking right now the Iron Bowl. Uh, the Iron yeah. Bowl, I think, is a great tradition. Um, it doesn't matter, again, the stakes of the game. Alabama might be playing for a national championship. They might have, I don't know, two losses, which normally in the game they don't have that. Um, but it doesn't matter where the teams are at. It doesn't matter what they're fighting for. Both teams want to win. Both teams are incredible. I mean, even a couple of years ago, Alabama had one of the best teams they've ever had, Bryce Young, and, and it went to overtime. Do you all remember that? It went to three or four overtimes, the two-point conversions, Games like that, doesn't matter if it's in Auburn, doesn't matter if it's in Alabama uh, or in Tuscaloosa, um, that's a great tradition, I think, the Iron Bowl. Uh, it could be basketball, but I'm saying ultimately the Iron Bowl football uh, is one of the best games in the country, uh, no matter what the stakes are. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. That's that's good. Um, I'm trying to – we can just real quick kind of shout out a couple that I'm thinking inter for Virginia Tech. Is it Virginia Tech? Yeah, Inner Sandman, yeah. Virginia, yeah, Virginia that's Tech. That's a great one. That's, College game day. Yeah. yeah just College game game day being where you're at. Yeah. Um, North Carolina Duke, I feel like, is just a huge oh, yeah. college basketball thing. The world mm-hmm. – I'm not a big soccer fan, but the World Cup has yeah. to be up there. And the World with, Cup has got to be – with, yeah, in response to that one, WBC. I Yeah, I think the WBC hopefully will be – kind of considered up there here the next time it's play. I think this year with the WBC really put it on the map. I agree. Um, another one, NASCAR is a day Daytona 500 up there as far probably. as sports, sports and traditions just an hour, go. Just an hour North of me. <laughs> I would yeah, say probably. Yeah. Have you ever been? I went to the, the summertime one, the, like the coach. Oh, yeah. They have one at night. That's a yeah. in-person NASCAR is just so much, so much better. Yeah, and I've been to Bristol once, and it was cool. awesome. I went went That's when cool. I was younger. I would uh, say the the NFL draft, maybe. I mean, I know it's just one of those things that's normal, but I think it's a cool thing to be there. You know, they had it in Nashville about four or five years ago. Uh, I think the NFL draft is a good tradition, you know, the way that they do it live and on stage, at least the first round. I think that's a pretty neat thing. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah. No, I love that. We'll, uh, we need to ask – you guys that too i'm sure there's stuff that we're missing if you have something that you're thinking of that you're probably thinking right now i can't believe they're leaving out whatever it may be uh let us know let us know on instagram reach out to us um before we go though important question uh 
Ryan, our our baseball season ends the end of April, um, and school ends soon too. And I know Parker is with me on this. Once baseball season ends, there's a driving range right across the street from school mm. that I'm a <laughs> frequent flyer of, uh, and I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be playing some golf once once season ends. So uh, I need to hear this. If you could give any advice to uh, former baseball players who are now trying to golf, uh, as a golf instructor, we, we're getting professional advice here, Parker. Uh, <laughs> at, as a golf instructor, what would your advice to former baseball players be? For sure. Um, man, It's I love this because being a former baseball player, I had to you know learn and I like to think about this stuff. So my first tip would be just to make sure you have a really good grip. Um, you can look that up on YouTube. Um, if you want, you can text me. I'll don't te- give them my number, but you know, <laughs> I would love to say start your foundation with the grip, um, build it on that. And then for baseball players specifically, um, you guys kind of like to you know make a chopping move at it because you're taught that with your baseball swing, those high hands kind of chop down on the baseball. Well, that's just going to lead to, you know, right trees and right houses and right water. That's just that's just slice if you're a righty. I've Sounds hit like all three of those. <laughs> so um, so what you want to do um, to change the plane is you almost want to hit like a double to the opposite gap. So you want to swing like over the second. If you're a righty, you want to swing over the second baseman's head, kind of get that into the out feeling while, while simultaneously hitting like a rollover grounder to third. And basically in golf terms, that's squaring up the club face. So you want to have a good grip, you want to swing in to out, and you want to learn how to square up that club face. And I don't care how far left you hit it, I want you to learn how to hit it left before you and square up that club face and at least find solid contact instead of hitting that slice. See, and then the last I, thing yeah. I would add is uh, what also promotes that slice or that over-the-top move is when you stay on that back foot and try to hit those home runs – um, we got to get our weight to that front foot. Um, we, mm. yeah. So when you watch the masters this weekend, watch their fall through, watch how they're on their front foot. Um, you could see the back of their shoe, um, and that they're in a good balanced position. So That's check good. that out. That's good. You know what I have to do sometimes in terms of the hitting it the right way is aim my feet entirely left, right? Entirely left, <laughs> almost, I mean, to the woods, aim to the woods, because then my swing will bring it right. Uh, it works sometimes, other times. You know, here's what happens. Uh, you know, you set up, hey, I'm going to set up all the way left now, hit it right. And then what happens? You hit it straight, and you hit it into the trees. And then you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to reset. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to reset now. I'm going I'm to hit this one straight, do what I did last time. And then when you shoot straight, it tails right. And you're like, well, dang it, man. I yep. can't ever get it right. So, so um, when you open up, it actually makes you swing more left and more across it, which promotes – the bigger slice. So well, there you go. I don't needed do to that. hear that. Don't do that. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, Ryan, man, thanks, thanks for for that advice. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, we're gonna be, we, we can just replay this episode, Parker, when we're at, when we're at the golf course, and we can just yeah. play. We can cut out this audio clip of Ryan <laughs> and, and play it, while, it. Yeah. play it while we're playing, but. Ryan, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. Um, I know you are – I've told Carly this before. I tell her about every time uh, right after you and I get off the phone. You're probably w- 
one of the most encouraging people that I know. Um, and I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful just for our relationship, for our friendship. And two, I'm just, I'm glad to hear. And it's cool to see what God is doing in you and through you back home in Florida. It's really, really cool. Just with golf instructing and, and just the ministry you're involved with at, at church. It's really cool to see. And I'm just, I'm thankful for you. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, man. Love you too. And, uh, Thanks for everything you do for me, um, taking those phone calls and being willing to chat. I hope uh, to come back to Nashville soon and see both you guys. So Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you, man. Man, that is Battling Performance, Episode 9. Uh, I'm encouraged. I'm leaving absolutely encouraged uh, knowing that the weight does not rest on my shoulders. Uh, it rests on somebody that's gone before me. That is um, our God himself. Uh, what a gift Amen. that is that, we, that we've yeah. got that truth to behold. Uh, that it's not on you, it's not on me, uh, it's on somebody that's already gone before me and has taken that weight off my shoulders. So, man, that's, what a gift. Uh, battling performance, or rather, battling perfectionism, rather, that's the right title. Uh, episode 9, that was a lot of fun, Ryan. Uh, man, what a gift it is. Yep. Yeah, amen to that. For awesome. sure. Thanks for coming on, man. Well, here we go. Uh, man, now we got to close it. we got to close it somehow. We'll just, uh, we'll play the outro music right here. <laughs> 